Well, Feliz Dia del Padre. Yeah, thank you. Or as we would say in English, Happy Father's Day. I learned that over in the Life Center just a few minutes ago with, from our Hispanic friends. And uh, we've had a great service over there so far as well. Sarah Haig liked to give her customers good, honest feedback so they could choose the clothes that made them look their very best. She just felt that responsibility. She she'd just give honest feedback so people would look their very best. And one day a man came out of the fitting room in her store and she immediately looked at him and offered her unvarnished opinion. She looked, looked at him, shook her head and said, No, 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 those jeans look terrible. I'll get you another pair. As she walked away, the man stood there and mumbled, I was trying on the shirt. (laughs) Men, do you ever feel like that? Do you ever feel like you just can't quite get it right? You know that you're trying to improve, you're trying to do better, you're trying to act better, but you, you just can't seem to meet the standard. And by the way, have you ever noticed that what preachers do on Mother's Day and Father's Day. Have you ever noticed how preachers do this? On Mother's Day, preachers get up, preachers like myself, we get up and tell you ladies what wonderful mothers you are. Then we get up on Father's Day and tell you men, you fathers, you need to get your act together. (laughs) Happens over and over and over if you'll think about it. Every Mother's Day, we just just go on and on about how wonderful the, the ladies are and men, how we really need to do things differently. So guys, I want you to relax. I'm not going to beat up on you today. I'm not going to uh, make you feel bad. I, I just want you to relax today, and I want to tell you a story. And it's a story that I hope will encourage you, and I hope it will also be a story that will motivate you to be a man who walks with God. This story goes all the way back to the first book of the Bible. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 5. If you want to... Open God's Word to Genesis chapter 5. The story goes all the way back not only to Genesis 5, it goes all the way back to the first man who walked on planet earth whose name was what? Adam. But it's not really a story about Adam, it's a story about his descendants. Especially one man named Enoch. In one sense, chapter 5 of Genesis is one of the most discouraging chapters in all the Bible. It's one of the most hopeless chapters in all of the Bible. In fact, Warren Wiersbe said it's like walking through a cemetery. For the first time in human history, we see in Genesis chapter 5, for the first time in history, we see natural death occur. Now, in chapter 4, there was a murder, so the first person to ever die was Abel, but that was the result of a murder. In chapter 5, for the first time, natural death is introduced in the Bible. And so I want to pick up the story, chapter 5, verse 1, and it says, this is the written account of Adam's line. When God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them, and when they were created... He called them man. Kind of interesting, isn't it? He created man and woman, and he called them man. And the Hebrew word there is the word Adam, very similar to Adam. Adam, which simply means human, humankind, or mankind. Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son in his own likeness, in his own image. And he named him Seth. 
After Seth was born, Adam lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. And then he died. Now, there's two very important statements that are made in these first five verses that I want to use kind of as foundation to the rest of the message. The first statement that I want you to notice that is very important is that Adam had a son, the Bible says in verse 3, he had a son in his own likeness. Make sure you catch that. He had a son in his own likeness. Now compare that to verse 1, the second half of verse 1. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Adam was made in the likeness of God. But then Adam sinned, and later when he became a father, his son was born in his likeness. It doesn't simply mean that he looked like his daddy. But he had something that his daddy also had. He had a predisposition to sin. The the sin nature of Adam was passed down to his son Seth. He was born in his likeness. That's, That's the first thing I want you to notice, and we'll kind of weave that through the story in just a moment. The second statement that's very important to understanding the rest of the message is this. The Bible says in verse 5, And Adam died. Remember what God said to Adam and Eve in in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17? Go back, you just turn over a page probably. Turn a page over to chapter 2, verse 17. Let's go to verse 16, actually. And the Lord God commanded the man, You're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely, what, church? You'll surely die. You see, disobeying God ultimately results in death. Adam's children were not born in the image and likeness of God. They were born in the image and likeness of sinful, fallen Adam. No wonder that Jesus later said to a man named Nicodemus, Don't marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. You see, we were all born wrong the first time. We were all born with Adam's likeness. We were all born with Adam's sinfulness. We were all born with Adam's fallen nature. Needing to be born again. All of us need to be born again. All of us need to be born again from above, as the Bible describes it. Adam died, the Bible says, and death was passed down through Adam's lineage. So now, picking up in verse, the story in verse 6, we begin to walk through the graveyard. Genesis chapter 5, verse 6 says this, When Seth, now who was Seth? Talk back to me. Who was Seth? Adam's son. When Seth had lived 105 years, he became the father of Enosh. And after he became the father of Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Seth lived 912 years and then he died. Now, one thing that probably has caught your attention is how long these people lived prior to the flood. There were long, long lifespans prior to the flood. After the flood, you see that quickly changing. But before the flood... They lived many, uh, many, many years. And Seth did. He lived 912 years. And then he died. Verse 9. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he became the father of Kenan. And after he became the father of Kenan, Enosh lived 815 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enosh lived 905 years. And then he died. 
When Kenan had lived 70 years, he became the father of Mahalalel. And after he became the father of Mahalalel, Kenan lived 840 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Kenan lived 910 years, and then he died. When Mahalalel had lived 65 years, he became the father of Jared. And after he became the father of Jared, Mahalalel lived 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Mahalalel lived 895 years, and then he died. Anybody seen a, a, a pattern here? Verse 18, when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. And after he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. And altogether, Jared lived 962 years. And then he died. This is a dark chapter in the Bible. It's like walking through a cemetery. They lived and they died. They lived and they died. They lived and they died. But in this dark chapter, there is a bright spot. Beginning in verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him away. All of a sudden, the storyline changes. Enoch did not die. There are only two men in the Old Testament who did not die. One was Enoch, the other was Elijah. Enoch did not just live, the Bible says. The Bible says that he walked with God while he lived. In fact, it's repeated for us twice. Verse 22 and verse 24. You might want to get your pen and underline those two references. They are so significant to this story. Verse 22. After he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. Look in verse 24. Enoch walked with God. Underline that. And then he was no more because God took him away. Now, what changed? What made this storyline be different? What was it that happened? What caused Enoch to live differently from his father and his grandfather and his father and his grandfather and his entire lineage? What was it that prompted this change suddenly in Enoch's life? The answer is found in verse 21 and 22. When Enoch had lived 65 years... He became the father of Methuselah. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God. I don't know what the first 65 years of his life were like. I assume that he probably lived like the rest of the crowd, just living life on their own, just trying to do the best they can with what they knew. And he, he probably tried to live as best he could the first 65 years of his life. But when that little boy Methuselah was born... Enoch's life was changed. That baby turned him to God. When he became a daddy, that turned him to God. And for 300 years after that, the Bible says he walked with God. Now, if you're a father, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? If you're a father, you know what that's like to all of a sudden hold that child in your arms. If you're a father, you know what it what it does to you to hold that baby and reflect upon that baby and then begin to reflect upon who you are and reflect upon how you're living and to realize that that baby you're holding, you are responsible for, and that baby is going to follow in your footsteps. There's a poster that I saw this week that said, the world becomes different when you are important in the life of a child. The responsibility of being a dad has turned many men to God. Charles Lane 
wrote me this week. He said, becoming a father made me reflect on who I was and that I had a son to care for. There was something about being a father that, that caused Enoch to start walking with God. There was something about being a father that caused Enoch to live differently than he had lived before. So what does it mean to walk with God? I'm going to give you five different descriptions to help you understand, I believe, what Enoch did and how he lived and how you and I can live. Here's the first one. To walk with God, it means to walk by faith in God. Walking with God means to walk by faith in God. Now put your bulletin or finger in there in Genesis 5. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5 says this, By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Something about becoming a father switched in his head and in his heart and he began to turn his eyes heavenward and he began to walk in faith in God. He began to trust God in a way he had not trusted God before. The first 65 years of his life, he did not walk by faith in God. But after he became a daddy, for the last 300 years of his life, he lived his life by faith in God. And I just want to ask all of you men, are you living your life with faith in God? Are you living like you believe what God says? Do you trust God enough to obey Him? When Enoch became a father, he stopped trusting in his own understanding. He, he stopped trusting in just what he could do. He stopped trusting in what he could figure out. No, he started now trusting, really trusting in God. What does it mean to walk by faith? What does it mean to, to, to walk by faith in God? Here's what it means. It means that every day... You're walking with God and you're depending on God. Enoch was a new daddy and as he walked with God, he was depending on God and believing God and obeying God. And he did it for 300 years. Here's the second requirement of walking with God. Walking with God also means to walk in the same direction as God. See, the, the phrase is very important. It says, Enoch walked with God. You can only walk with someone if you're going in the same direction that they're going in. Does that make sense? In fact, in Amos, Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? The obvious answer is no. You, you, two walking together have to agree that they're going in the same direction. And men, if you want to walk with God, you can't fight and resist the direction that God wants to take you. If you want to walk with God, you need to walk in the same direction that God's going in. And if you're fighting and resisting what God's trying to do in your life, if you're trying to push another agenda, if you're trying to go a different direction, then you're not walking with God. Walking with God means letting Him lead the way. Walking with God means letting Him set the agenda. Walking with God means that you're going in the same direction God's going in. Psalm 143, 8, the psalmist wrote, Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. 
It's what Enoch did for 300 years. First 65 years of his life, he lived the way he wanted to live. But the last 300 years of his life, he was walking with God, walking in the same direction as God. The third requirement of walking with God is this. Not only do you walk by faith, not only do you walk in the same direction as God, but number three, listen to this, you walk at the same pace as God. You walk at the same pace as God. Have you ever found yourself getting ahead of God? Boy, I sure have. I want to show you an example of that in Scripture. You're, you're in Genesis. I want you to go to Genesis 15 and get your pen ready because I want to show you an example of, of one of God's great saints who had a problem sometimes walking at the same pace as God. Who had a pro- he was walking in the same direction as God, but he was walking ahead. He was getting ahead of God. Genesis chapter 15 is the story of Abram. And God promised him that uh, his offspring would be as numerous as the stars in heaven. And it says in chapter 15, verse 6, Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. It was good news to Abram because he was not a father. His wife had not been able to have children. And yet God made this promise to him, Hey, Abram, your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of heaven. You're going to be a daddy, and your wife Sarai is going to be a mom. In fact, you're going to have so many kids and so many descendants, it will be as numerous as the stars of the heaven. And Abram, even though he was kind of an old man, believed God. But now, watch the rest of the story. Everybody look at your pastor for a minute. Watch the rest of the story. One year passed, two years passed, three years, four, five, six, seven, eight. Nine, ten years passed, at least ten years passed. And there was still not even the cry of one baby, much less as numerous as the stars of the sky. And so we come to chapter 16 of Genesis. After ten plus years, Sarai, Abram's wife, has an idea. Chapter 16. Now Sarai, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. But she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. So here was her solution. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now get your pen ready. There's three words. I want you to underline that verse. Perhaps I can. Perhaps... I can. We don't have any children. God hasn't kept His promise yet. We've waited ten years and there's still no cry of a baby. Perhaps I can. Perhaps I can do what God has not yet done. Some of you know what that's like, don't you? Getting ahead of God. Because God hasn't done what you thought he would do, and he hasn't done it on your timetable. And it's not happening like the way you want it to happen. He hasn't acted quickly enough, and you're thinking, perhaps I can. Perhaps I can change this. Perhaps I can make this different. Perhaps I can work this out. Perhaps I can solve this problem. Let me tell you something. Walking with God not only requires that you walk by faith in God, it not only requires that you walk in the same direction as God, it also requires that you walk at the same pace as God and not get ahead of Him. I've got a confession to make to you. Uh, this past week, I was at the, the Southern Baptist Convention. And my wife was with me. And 
You may or may not know this about your pastor, but when I walk, I don't know why, but when I walk, I walk fast. I mean, it's just the way I'm wired. It's just whenever I'm walking somewhere, I walk fast. I mean, if there's a lot of people in front of me, like when we're walking from the hotel to the convention center, there's a lot of people in front of me, I want to pass all of them. I don't even know these people, but, but, but I, I just walk fast. I want to walk past them. And, and, and even if there's nobody in front of me, I'm still walking at a very fast pace. In fact, several times, this is the confession part, several times while we were at the convention, I, I mean, it happened a lot of times. I would, I would be walking, and I'm walking towards the convention center or away from the convention center. I, I'm just walking, and, and I look around, and Lisa's not there. And I look back, and she's literally 15 to 20 feet behind me. I would like to say that only happened once, but it happened again and again and again and again. And I would sometimes deliberately stop, turn around, see that she's way back there, and I think, okay, I go back, and I get beside her, and then I take off again. <laughs> and it happened over and over and over. Now, again, I don't know why I'm like that, but I just, I just walk fast. And one time, I was walking and, and again, I was 15, 20 feet ahead of her. I turned around to look. She's way back there. And she stopped and she smiled. But I could tell she was a little frustrated. But she smiled. And she said, why won't you walk with me? And I stopped and I went back and I grabbed her hand. And for the rest of the convention, when we walked anywhere, I tried to hold her hand because that's the only way I could keep her with me. <laughs> I drug her all over that convention center. Come on. But we were walking together. And I wonder sometimes if God didn't look at us and say, why won't you walk with me? Why is it that you feel like you have to be so far ahead? Why won't you just walk with me? Why won't you just trust me? Psalmist wrote, I will wait on the Lord. New Living Translation translates uh, this verse this way. It says, Enoch enjoyed a close relationship with God. That's how the New Living Translation describes walking with God. Enoch enjoyed a close relationship with God. He was not just walking in the same direction. He was walking with God. He was walking at the same pace with God. He enjoyed a close relationship with God. I don't know about you guys. I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of father. A man and a father who's walking with God. Keeping pace with God. Here's the fourth thing that walking with God means. To walk with God means to do so over the long haul of your life. For the first 65 years of his life, Enoch did not walk with God. The Bible is very clear about that in chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 5. But then there was that day we talked about when all that changed. And I want you to notice something. These words. Verse 22. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God for a little while. No, that's not what it says. And after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years. Verse 23, altogether Enoch lived 365 years. Enoch walked with God, then he was no more because God took him away. 
300 years. This was not a casual stroll. This was a walk of a lifetime. The message translation translates it this way. Enoch walked steadily with God. We need men who will be like that. We need dads who will be like that. Men who will walk with God for the long haul. Not flashes in the pan. Not somebody who's excited about God for a little while. Not a shooting star. We need men who will walk with God steadily, faithfully, who know God, get to know God a little better day after day after day. Not perfectly, but walking with God steadily through the course of their life. Of course, because today is Father's Day, I've been thinking about my dad. He died in 2000. But I was thinking about the kind of man that he was. He, and he, he wasn't a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. But I'll tell you something about my dad. My dad was saved as a young man right after he was married. So my entire life, all I knew of my dad was a man who loved the Lord and a man who walked with God. I never knew anything different for 40 years. He died when I was 40. So for, 40, for the first 40 years of my life, as I knew my dad, I only knew him as a man who walked with God. I never saw him wander from God. I never saw him take time off from God. I never saw him give up on God. I I never saw him struggle with his faith. I just saw a man who day after day after day after day after day, for the 40 years that I had the privilege to be his son, I saw a man who walked with God to the very end. In fact, I watched him walk with God until April the 7th, 2000. And on that day, he took his last breath and God took him home. Now, dads, I want to ask you a question. Do you want your kids to have that kind of memory of you? Sure you do. You you don't want your kids to say, hey, my dad made a lot of money. You don't want them to say, hey, my dad built a business. Hey, my dad did this. Hey, my dad accomplished that. You know what you want your kids to say? You want your kids to say at the very end, my dad walked with God all of his life. That will mean more to you than anything else. Let me quickly give you the fifth thing that describes what it means to walk with God. It means to walk with God when others around you do not. If we had the time to really study Genesis chapter 5, we would see that Enoch lived in a time when apparently no one else was walking with God. His relatives were not. His neighbors were not. The people he hung out with were not. In fact, in chapter 6... God describes that generation as their their thoughts were evil all the time. So if you think it's hard to walk with God where you live or where you work, you might want to study the life of Enoch. Just because no one else in your family is not walking with God doesn't mean that you can't. Just because no one else at work is walking with God doesn't mean that you can't. Just because no one else in your office is, is living for the Lord doesn't mean that you shouldn't. Enoch walked with God at a time when no one else did. And here's what it means to walk with God. It means to walk with God by faith. It means to walk in the same direction as God. It means to walk with, with, at the same pace as God. Uh, but it also means this. It means that I'm going to walk with God regardless of what others around me do or don't do. I'm going to walk with God. And I'm going to seek to please Him more than I seek to please them. This is how everyone else in Enoch's lineage is described. Just listen to this. Seth lived 912 years and then he died. Enoch 
lived 905 years and then he died. Kenan lived 910 years and then he died. That's a description of far too many people. They lived and they died. They lived and they died. They lived and they died. What a wonderful testimony when you can say, he lived and he walked with God. I want to close by reading Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5 again. I told you we'd come back to it. There's something there I want to make sure that you see as Enoch is described. Chapter 11 of Hebrews, verse 5, says this. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. God just one day took him home. He could not be found because God had taken him away. Don't you imagine that must have been kind of a weird thing when everybody said, where's, where's Enoch? Everybody's looking for Enoch. Nobody can find him. Nobody knows where he is or what's happened to him. But God took him away. But, but here's what I want you to notice. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who did what? Please God. He was commended as one who pleased God. What could be a better testimony of your life than that one? What could be a better achievement than to have it said that you or I pleased God? The end of the story is that that day when Enoch's life came to the very end, 365 years it came to the very end, God looked at a man that so pleased him. God said, come on home. We've been walking together a long time. We're closer to my house than we are to yours. Just come on home with me. Enoch walked with God and pleased Him. I want you to bow your heads. I want to talk to you for a moment with your heads bowed and every eye closed. I want to ask you a question today. Are you walking with God right now? I didn't ask you if you're going to church. I didn't ask you, you know, how's your family? I didn't, uh, I'm just asking, are you walking with God? Are you walking by faith in Him? Are you walking in the same direction? Are you walking at the same pace as God? Not getting out ahead of Him. Are you, are you walking with God over the course of your life? You're trying to finish strong and finish well. Or you're walking with God when others around you are not. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 6 that God sent a judgment, a flood, to destroy the world. But in Genesis chapter 5, He took Enoch home before the flood, before the judgment. I believe Enoch is an Old Testament picture of the rapture. That God will one day take us home before the final judgment of this world. And so my question for you would be this. Sir, will you experience the judgment of God or will there be a day when God takes you home? Ma'am, will you experience the judgment of God or will there be a day when God takes you home? Perhaps you need to trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you need what Nicodemus needed when Jesus looked at his life and said, don't be surprised that I say to you, you must be born again. Because we were all born in the likeness of Adam. We were all born with that sinful nature. We all have experienced death. We know we have sin in our life because death continues from one generation to the next to the next. 
And the only hope that you have is to be born again. Born from above. That happens when you place your faith in Jesus Christ and His death on the cross for you. So you can live with Him eternally. If you place your faith in Christ today, we're here to help you do that. You can come as we offer this invitation. Others, men, perhaps you want to come to this altar and say, God, I want to walk with you. Maybe you've gotten ahead of God lately. You've tried to make it happen. Perhaps I can. has kind of been your motto lately. Perhaps I can make this happen. You need to say, God, help me to wait on you. Help me to have faith in you. Please help me to walk with you when others are not. Help me to walk in the same direction as you. Help me to be a man that my kids could look to and say, my daddy walks with God. And he walked with him to the very end of his life. Guys, if you need to come and make that your prayer, you feel free to do so in this invitation. Father, in the name that is above every name, I thank you for the man that you have placed in my life, James Shorter, who showed me what it meant to walk with God. Now, I'll never, ever fill his shoes, but I do want to follow his steps. Help me to be a dad that leaves steps for my kids as well. And thank you most of all that Jesus Christ can make the difference in our lives and allow us the privilege to walk with you. It's in his name I pray. Amen.